Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Feasy. Made the snow fall off the roof there, which is rather good. So, <laughs> so we're back to the cosmic Christ, uh, which actually never goes away, to tell you the truth. Um, and I, think, I just think it's interesting just looking at our, our tableau here, because at Christmas we celebrate the arrival of that Christ, you know, that we've been talking about. We celebrate its arrival, that, that, the arrival of it, in Jesus. And when you look at that tableau, you see what, you know, as humanity, we've sort of got it down to. We don't sort of acknowledge that sort of cosmic element, but we acknowledge the bits that we can see that we think represent it. And I think it's quite interesting, because you've got here, you know, you've got here family, first of all. Uh, you know, family is something that's incredibly important to everybody, and, and, and that's represented in, in that. You've got hardship as well. You've got the hardship of being in the stable. You know, you've got the animal kingdom there as well. So there's a manifestation of that. You've got the joy of new life uh, coming into the world as well. And, you know, you've got the, this, the shepherds, the lowly, and the, you know, the, the good and the great and the poor as well, all together. And really, the, you know, these t- the tableau at Christmas is what humanity sees as the essence of that Christ. And I think that's quite interesting. I, you know, it wasn't in my talk that. I just, sort of, <laughs> just when I looked at it, I thought, you know, that's what we've, you know, that's how we represent it. But, you know, as we've been speaking about, we've, we've been looked, looking at the idea of Christ um, as not being Jesus' last name, but meaning the divine one. And that he represented the manifestation of the cosmic Christ, that ordering principle. And that ordering principle has come into, you know, this moment and we reduce it or we, we see it as, as being that. You know, it is the traditional Christian story. You know, those who wrote the Bible, you know, weren't aware of the science of the Big Bang and everything that goes with it. So they tell their own story of creation. Um, And every other religion has its own story of uh, creation. Ours tells of the spirit hovering over the water, the creation of man, the appearance of wisdom or the feminine Sophia to guide us, um, and the appearance of divinity to Moses and Elijah, and finally, the birth of Jesus. Um, And in telling the story of the coming of the cosmic Christ, we look at that story and, you know, the whole purpose of it, to see what does it teach us about our modern day life. And really, that's the purpose of these uh, five weeks that we're doing. Um, and in the story, the crisis is the organizing principle within everything. Um, so we began by that. Then we looked at the, the, uh, how the birth of the Son of God or the birth of wisdom coming into our own lives. And that idea from James Finley, uh, who's coming in March, Uh, Given all the circumstances, what is the most loving response I can make here? That's that's how we manifest that in our lives. Given all the circumstances that are happening in this moment, what is the most loving response I can make here? So we've said that the word Christ denotes that ordering principle. Uh, And last week, the last time we did it, we looked at the Christ being the DNA uh, that drives all evolution even the evolution of human consciousness and the growth of civilization. You know, we call it the Christ, but that DNA is called by many things. It's called 
the Tao in Taoism or Prana in Buddhism or Hinduism, Yahweh, Allah, Chi, Shakti, life force. In Christianity, we call it the Christ. That's, that's our tradition. And today I want to look at the question of how we connect to that life force. How do we make our, our own uh, connections to it? How do we embody that life force? Because, you know, that's the idea of what we're trying to do here. That's how we consciously, by connecting with that life force, we consciously move to the next stage of evolution. And that next stage, as I've said before, is not an, an elongated thumb for texting, but humans consciously self-reflecting on that divine nature within themselves and bringing that out into the world to affect those around us to help advance the evolution of consciousness. To what end that evolution of consciousness happens, we'll look at, look at next week, the whole idea of the second coming, or whatever that means, or the completion of it, we'll look at it uh, uh, at next week. But for now, I want to look at, you know, how do we connect with the Christ nature? I'm going to talk a little bit about it, then we're going to hear a little more singing, and then Heather's going to reflect on it as well. How do we become the Spirit's incarnation? Jesus, you know, the enfleshment, as Jesus became that enfleshment. I always think it's interesting that Jesus came to show the potential of humanity. I don't think he came to save humanity. I think he came to save, show this is the potential of humanity. And that potential was to embody the Christ nature. And so, you know, if that is the case, and we can do it ourselves, it's not just Jesus Christ, it's Barbara Christ, and Bruce Christ, and Jeff Christ, Diane Christ. It's, that's really what we're aiming for. We're aiming for each of us to embody that divine nature. I mean, you know, just in your own head, because it's too embarrassing to do it out loud, but just say your name in your head, and Christ after it. That, that's really about how it is supposed to work. Because, you know, that quote I used in the first week, you know, as Meister Eckhart said, what good is it to me that Mary gave birth to the Son of God 1,400 years ago if I do not give birth to the Son of God in my time and in my culture? And our role, surely, is to give birth to that divine nature in our own lives. So, the question is, how do we do that? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is to, you know, Ward Hounstein always says that uh, he's always on his spiritual journey, which is from his head to his heart. That is the snow. Our new roof has snow falling off uh, possibilities, so it doesn't all build up. The positive side is that the roof doesn't cave in. The negative side is I'll be saying something and there'll be a... <laughs> as the snow falls off the roof. Um, I always think it's when the vibration is very good that that's going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, how do we do that? And I say, Ward says, the journey of spirituality from his perspective is from his head to his heart. And I think, you know, part of how we connect to that divine nature is that journey. You know, humanity has lived far too long in its head. And, you know, it's got us some way, but, you know, we're not going to get further by just being cleverer. 
We're so smart now, we even have smart weapons. So, you know, that's not going to do us any good to get smarter in that department. So the first stage is that, that heartness uh, for us to move into our hearts. And, you know, just for yet another um, advert for meditation, that is the purpose of meditation, for us to move for our heads, uh, from us, uh, to move from our heads to our hearts. And to allow that connection to the Christ, which happens in our heart nature, the place where our souls, the essence of who we are, meets with the essence of life in the universe. You know, something gave you life. We don't know what it is. Something enabled that, when that sperm and the egg hits, enabled that life to come about. And it's been in you for all this time. And the soul that you have developed over, the, over time is, is a function of that spirit within you and, and our ability to self-reflect on that. You know, and our role is really to give over our controls to that life force. And that's what we do in meditation. That is the practice. And I think that is the f- first way to start with it. I mean, you know, however you do your meditation, whether it's walking in the mountains or whatever, to get into your heart is the start of how we connect to the Christ nature. And then, you know, I was very struck. There's a prayer that I use every day. Well, it's not quite every day, because I do take Fridays and Saturdays off, so that I'm not telling the truth strictly here. Most days, I use this prayer that... Uh, who's Anyone from the Episcopal background here? A few people from Episcopal. There's a prayer that is called the Colic for Purity. And for me, that prayer really encapsulates that journey. And and those of you, I'm sure those of you you, you will recognize it because we use it often here in the chapel. And it goes something like this. It goes, O love divine, the acknowledgement of the divine nature, to whom all hearts are open. That means the essence of who we are is fundamentally open to that divine nature. A love divine to whom all hearts are open. We can't close our hearts to that because really life is flowing into our hearts through that nature. And you can never, if you, the point when you're close to it is when you're dead. To whom all hearts are open, all desires known. I always think this is very interesting. There is nothing in there that you can hide from that. Nor would you want to because, you know, it includes it. All hearts are open, all desires known and from whom no secrets are hidden. You know, to be open to that totally being known and being by that divine nature is a really fantastic place to be. So, uh, so I love divine, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. And then, then, then the aspiration, come and cleanse the thoughts of my heart. Cleanse the thoughts of my heart with the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. May that divine nature, come in and cleanse the thoughts of my heart with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that I may, and this is the key thing, that I may perfectly love you. That means that I may completely receive all that the universe brings to me. That I may perfectly love you. To perfectly love the universe is to, is to radically accept what comes our way and worthily magnify your holy name. That's in the Thomas Merton sense. You become the word that God utters in you. I worthily magnify your holy name. You become a manifest, you become Barbara Christ at that moment. To perfectly love you and worthily manifest 
your holy name. And then the key words, through Christ. That's how the prayer goes. O love divine to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no superstition come and cleanse the thoughts of my heart with the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that I may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And that through Christ is, you know, the reason I use it is it opens me up completely to being in that point of being willing to receive the connection. And I think the first stage, you have to be willing to receive. You have to be willing to receive it. And you have to continually open yourself to be willing to receive it. So I like to commend, that's how, I'm just giving you, I'm going to give you how I connect to the Christ. And then you can, you, you know, you can, each person, there's, there's going to be a Jeff way of doing it. It might involve books. I'm not quite sure what it involves. So there, there'll be a, a, an art way that will involve, you know, that uh, some people, Susan will be involved maybe with an art way. There'll, everyone has their own way of connecting. And um, so I'm just giving you mine. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to, uh, I, I, I've got a show and tell prop here now. I'm going to bring it out here. So I'm going to bring my show and tell prop out here now. Better not drop this, but anyway. So anyway, this is, uh, this is my icon. And all of you, most of you have seen it before, but I will it out occasionally. And this has made me, I was uh, on a retreat in Hillfield Ferrari. And there was a bloke there who was doing icons. And uh, he, he said, I said, oh, you know, could you do one for me? This is like 40 years ago. So yeah, he, could. So he painted this one for me. And he then told me, you know, I've used it ever since. And um, he then, I, I rang him up the other day, a while ago. And, and he said, your icon needs to be serviced. You have to have it like a car, the icon. So he went and serviced my icon. He's, he's died now, unfortunately. <laughs> There's no garage for me to take. But this is the icon that I use, and um, what I want to mention is it, it's connecting with that Christ nature through a direct connection to Jesus. And I know there are a lot of issues about the presence of Jesus, and you know Jesus being in heaven and looking down on us, and you know, the evangelicals, you know, open, you know, give your life to the Lord, all that sort of stuff that's, that's out there that people talk about. And the way I look at it is that, the way I look at it is that every action that happens in life, every single thing that happens in life is recorded in consciousness somewhere. It's like consciousness is a big tape that absolutely records everything. Now, this isn't a new idea. Um, there's, there's a, a, something called, uh, and you probably heard this, who says it, it, the Akashic Records? Have you heard of the Akashic Records? The, yeah, there we are. The Akashic Records, in the religion of theosophy, it's called the Akashic Records. They are a compendium of all universal events, thoughts, words, and emotions, and intent that have happened in the past, present, or future. And the belief is that they're encoded in these records and that you can access these records. Apparently, Rudolf Steiner was good at accessing these records. And to me, it makes sense that everything that exists, you know, everything that's ever happened in the field of consciousness continues to exist. And it's just a question of how we access it. You know, my father died when I was two. Um, and on one level, I, you know, 
I couldn't really, you know, connect, you know, I have no memory of my father. But on one level, I could possibly connect with the essential nature of my father through my consciousness. I can certainly connect through his diaries, uh, through memories of my, my mother has and people that, that knew him. And through these records and through an understanding brought about by all these things, you know, I can make that connection with my father. And in the same way, I also think that we can connect with the wisdom of Jesus through that same connection that occurred. You know, we have scriptures, we have the experiences of people, the institutional memories. There's one institutional memory of Jesus. We have all these institutional memories, and we use them to open ourselves and open our minds to connect with that wisdom. And I use an icon to do that. And icons in the Orthodox Church, they're sort of painted scripture. The idea with scripture is you connect through the wisdom that comes through scripture. Let's, let's, let's see. The idea with an icon is that the actual physicality of the icon connects you to the consciousness that's at the center of the icon. When, when the guy was doing it, he said, when I first started to learn to do icons, I just couldn't get it together. And so I rang up my icon teacher and I said, you know, I can't make it work. And the bloke said to me, are you praying when you paint your icon? He said, no, I'm not. He said, well, that's why it's not working. You have to connect through that essential business of who you are. And, and for me, it sort of provides a channel. I open myself up to that record, and I open myself up to being connected. I think all you can do is be, be willing to receive. You can't dictate what you're going to receive. So, oh, I want a shiver down my spine. I want a little, little sort of something about here while my kundalini has, is done. You can't predict what you're going to get. But you just have to be open to receiving. And, you know, for me, you know, the three things that I do, I, coming into my heart, Soul, heart, that sort of stuff. The colic for purity is, a, is, a, is, a, is, is my you know, saying I'm willing to receive. You know, it, it is an affirmation of that. And then my connection to that is, is I do through, through being with that icon. So I thought we might have a go at just being with the icon. Would you be up for that? So what I'm going to do, won't take very long. I said it's not going to be a 10-minute thing, so don't worry about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to um, move this over here a bit. And I've got my gong over here. And they say about buying, you know, you can't win the lottery. You've got to be in it to win it for the, the lottery. I was in the city market yesterday, and I, I was tempted. And I did buy a ticket. So we've solved all our financial problems if my number does come in, Bruce. But you've got to be in it to win it. So you've got to, in order to be able to connect with that divine nature, you've got to be open. You've got to be willing to receive. So I'm just going to start by saying this prayer, and then I'm just going to bang the gong. I'm going to give us a couple of minutes to be with it. So, so if you want to, just be with that icon. And if you want to move, uh, if you're, you can do that. So, and just open ourselves, just be with these words. O oh, love divine, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, come and cleanse the thoughts of my heart by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that I may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.